0: Hi, everyone. In chapter 4, Pastor Paul develops rather elaborate analogies regarding the supremacy of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ to the works of the laws in Old Testament. He used two analogies here. The first, analogy of an heir, described in verse 1 to 7. The firstborn son, the heir of a household, had to be under the guardian who was a slave until the time set by his father. Here the heir represents anyone who put their trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, while sons of slaves represent those who put their trust in the elementary principles that Galatian Christians once held onto in the past in their pagan religious practice. Surprisingly, Paul also included the revered Old Testament traditions and the detailed observance of Mosaic laws in his reference to the elementary principles. It is probably because in terms of their inability to lead people to salvation, as well as them posing major hindrance to people receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were similarly harmful and dangerous to Paul's eyes. The second analogy is described in verse 21 to 31. It is directly from the Old Testament story about Abram's two women who gave birth to sons to him, Hagar and Sarah. Hagar bore Ishmael, though he was the firstborn, he was not the son of God's promise because he was from a slave woman. Sarah, a free woman, Abraham's legitimate wife bore Isaac later, who became the son of a promise, through whom God's promise passed down to next generations. Here Hagar represents Mount Sinai or Jerusalem Temple that symbolized the works of the law from Old Testament while Sarah represents the new promise of God, hearing with faith, which means the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, Paul even used the record of a Genesis about Ishmael harassing Isaac when Isaac was young as a picture of a Judaizer Christians looking down on Gentile Christians and pressuring them to keep Mosaic laws as a requirement for salvation. One thing I'd like to point out is that we need to be careful about Paul's intention for these analogies. These analogies were not meant to justify an attitude of despising Hagar and Ishmael's descendants or to justify slavery systems and harsh treatment against slaves. These are allegorical analogies that Paul came up with in order to convince those shaken and fearful Galatian Christians that what they received from Paul was the one and only true gospel and was the only way to salvation. This gospel of Jesus Christ trumps everything else taught as ways to salvation, including the false teaching of those cocky Judaizer Christians from Jerusalem. We can see how frustrating and worrisome Paul must have been regarding this issue of Gentile Christians being impressed by those Jewish Christians from Jerusalem Church and swayed by their seemingly cool-sounding teaching from Old Testament traditions and negatively affected by their suspicious and condescending attitude toward Paul's credential and legitimacy in his apostolic authority. Indeed, Paul dearly loved these Galatians that his exhortation was filled with his raw emotions. We remember from the beginning of chapter 3 how Paul sounded like a mother who scolds her children out of her love and care. Verse 1 of chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Keeping God's laws with human effort and taking pride in what we have done for God and feeling superior toward others who didn't do as much as we did are rather familiar ethos in us as well. It's because we often think that what we have done is enough for God to be pleased with while ignoring all that is going on in our hearts. This religious ethos we are familiar with may be similar to the ones of those proud Jews who took pride in their works of the law, and this is not much different from those Gentiles who felt secure in their practice of pagan religions with observance of its accompanying elementary principles. Today's text tells us that all this entail the same consequence, a life of slavery, living a life enslaved by pride and fear. Paul really wanted to protect Galatians from getting into this life of slavery again. Look at verse 8-10. to Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain." Galatian Christians were enslaved by their idol worships before, but now they are in danger to fall back to their rather familiar religious practice by keeping all kinds of Old Testament religious practices as a way to reach out to God. Paul bemoaned that they acted as if they did not learn the gospel of Jesus Christ at all, that Paul had taught so much. As a way of bringing uh, these confused Galatians back to the essence of the gospel, Paul talked about how they received the gospel with a humble and trusting heart, despite Paul being sick and his head and outward appearance were not that impressive or presentable. Verse 12 to 16. For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth?" The power of the gospel, Paul preached, was able to touch the core of these Gentiles, who must be tired of pagan religions that only care about our things. The grace of God that forgives human sins must have resonated with them, Beyond all differences in culture and traditions, they were able to see the power of truth in Paul's teaching despite his seemingly almost embarrassing outward appearance due to his ailment. But now they were swayed and impressed by those Judaizers who tried to make much of themselves by flattering uh, these Gentile Christians while uh, looking down on them in their hearts. In verse 17, They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. Verse 18. Not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. The word again really hit me. Paul did not mind teaching the same things again and again and arguing about all these issues uh, that scared these new Christians. And his description about ministering to Galatians, anguish of childbirth. That expression really rebukes me about my lack of empathy and loveless attitude toward struggles and sufferings that people are going through. I'm personally challenged by Paul's heart for his flock and also his courage and confidence to do everything he could possibly do in order to protect them from false gospels. Uh, That concludes our DT sharing. Bye.